Hello, and welcome to the family at World Harvest Outreach. How's everybody doing? You all right? Yeah? Mary? Yeah? It's one of those mornings, right? Yeah, okay. All right. I get it. All right. So I'm, if you can tell, I'm kind of like, what do I do? I got lots planned up here. But I got stuff rolling around in my heart, too. So would you just pause with me a moment? meditations of our heart be pleasing to you, O Lord. Holy Spirit, just rest deeply, practically, on us and in us. You are the very life force of the Father. And we repent where we haven't relied on you enough. You made us really powerful as human beings, Lord so much so that we could actually live an entire human life without intentional reliance on your spirit. And I ask for the courage to take all of that power an ability that's innately human and we surrender it to the power of who you are. That we might be all you had in mind for us because as strong and as powerful as we are, Lord God, if we simply relied on that, we would be such a small version of what you had in mind for us. Jesus, you are so much more. And as a result, we can be. So I ask God in the midst of this moment that you would lift off every limitation, every limiting belief about you and about ourselves, Lift it off by your spirit. And we would have eyes to see, ears to hear what the spirit is saying. Thank you, Lord. I've been doing this preach and teaching thing for a while. Um, and that's, there's no bragging in that at all. It's just like sometimes I stand up here and I, as long as I've been doing it, I still want to have this sense of uncomfortable because I'm in the presence 
of the Lord when I do it. Does that make sense? Like, I, I don't want to be so comfortable with it and so, quote, good at it that I don't forget whose audience yeah. <laughs> I'm in. So if you can just join me in humility for a minute and listen with as much humility as I offer what I'm going to offer you today. Like all the pretense and all the ground we've already covered in life, however old you are, however young you are, however much success you have, can you just kind of lay that aside for a little while? And just be open be teachable, be available to the Spirit's leading. Because in that, if we all choose to do that together, we're all kind of like on the, we're in the same place. And then unity, oneness, some of the biggest goals God ever had for us are all of a sudden in that moment available. uncomfortable pauses. How do you like them? Are they fun? Are they weird? You think they're weird for you. Imagine standing up here. But I love them because I feel like it gives you this like pause that at no other time in your week you're probably giving yourself. Right? I mean, we fill our pauses and our moments with something. We all do it. I'm just thankful for moments like this where we can pause in the presence of God. All right, just to show you how humble I currently am, right now, go Eagles. Right? Now, if you have any idea how much humility that took to say that, Jesus. I mean, that took Holy Spirit. I, I, all of that prayer was just so I could say those two words. Anyway, okay. As much as levity that might have been, I still want to, like, be sober, okay? Is that cool? Yep. All right. So I got two sets of verses I want to go uh, look at today. One is in Philippians chapter 3, and the other is uh, next, the book just before it, Ephesians chapter 4. I want, to, I want to kind of launch off of where Kendall had us last week on the goals, and it's on the back of this board. And there's this... Is that, is that me? I can't... I don't know what to do with this. I think I wore the wrong shirt. Just give me the handout, yeah. Can you turn this off, whoever's on the sound? Okay. So Ephesians chapter 4, we'll start there. Uh, starting in verse 9. 
This might be familiar verses to some of you, but I still want to read through this as a foundation for some of the things I want to share today. Can you go up two verses, Karis, to verse seven? That'd be too bad, too hard. Seven. Sorry, I might have sounded like 11. I'll just start reading if you guys have it in your hands. But to each one of us, grace was given according to the measure of Christ's gift. That's really important. To each one of us, grace was given according to the measure of Christ's gift. As I look around this room today, there is this part of Jesus that's in everyone. Like, and part sounds like Jesus broke himself up into billions of pieces and gave himself to each other. That's not it. That's actually, it's like, like, the idea of this grace that Jesus gave you is like Mary, Barry, Jay, even Ron over here. There's this door of grace. There's this door of access to Jesus in each one of you. And the level to which we open our heart to the Lord and then open our heart to each other, we access Jesus uniquely through you. That's what that means. So as much as I want to be able to just worship the Lord on my own and gain expression and understanding of who he is from my own worship, I will not get that unless I meet you and connect with you and open my heart to you. I can experience Jesus. That's what that grace is that Paul's talking about here. Therefore, it says, when he ascended on high, he led captive a host of captives and gave gifts to men. That's the gift. The gift is the access to the fullness of who Jesus is. Now, this expression, he ascended, what does it mean except that he also descended into the lower parts of the earth? He who descended is himself, also he who ascended far above all the heavens so that he might fill all things. So verse 9 and verse 10 simply says this. Jesus came here, did what he had to do, opened up the way for us all to experience what he is currently experiencing in the heavenly dimension. He has now ascended above all things and now he sits as the authority, ruler, king of all kings, lord of all lords, and you and I have direct access to him. That is not theory. That is not super spiritual talk, guys. You and I, as human beings, have access to the greatest authority in all of creation. Do you believe that? Like, in a reality, do you believe that that is an access available to you? In fact, not available to you. You are that access. That is, that is the reality of who we are. And then he gives us the spirit, like we prayed about, as, like, proof of that. Verse 11, he gave some of us as apostles, some as prophets, some as evangelists, some as pastors and teachers for the equipping of the saints for the work of service, to the building up of the body of Christ until, this is my verse I want to focus on today, until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God to a mature man 
to the measure of the stature which belongs to the fullness of Christ. Now just stop there and then flip over to the next book in the Bible, which is Philippians. Just remember that verse that we were just reading. Philippians chapter three, start reading in verse seven. You with me, Karis? Thank you. But whatever things were gained to me, those things I have counted as loss for the sake of Christ. More than that, I count all things to be lost in view of the surpassing value of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things. Do you guys hear that? When Paul turned his heart to knowing Jesus Christ, he suffered the loss of all things. Anyone else in this room say the same thing? That is a purposely rhetorical question, but I really hope you think about it because I'm not so sure in 2023 Christianity the idea of knowing Jesus and losing everything are not synonymous. But to Jesus, sorry, to, to Paul it was. Now Paul's an extreme circumstance. You guys know the history of Paul. You find out here in a little bit that he was a Pharisee to the point where he was like the hired gun who was in charge of rooting out this thing called the way before it got out of hand. How'd he do? <laughs> he, he didn't do very well. In fact, the way got a hold of him. You guys know that story, right? He is on a road headed toward another persecution. He's like, he's like on the persecution tour. And his job is to root out this thing called the way, because it wasn't even called Christianity yet, on hurry up and let's douse this thing before it gets out of control. And he's on his way to another concert date, and Jesus literally arrests him and says, hey, I'm the one you're persecuting. You're not persecuting Christians. You guys know that, right? That's a really important part of that story. He thinks he's persecuting Christians. Jesus says, no, I'm the one you're persecuting. He has an encounter with Jesus. And because of an encounter with Jesus, he says here to the Philippian people, I lost everything. And this is a hard thing for some of us to say because it is a reality. This is a bold statement. I'm not so sure a whole lot of Christians in 2023 can say, I encountered Jesus and lost everything. I think you can't encounter Jesus without losing everything. Hello? Wow, it's hard, man. Mark, you're in America, man. Capitalism and Achieving and ambition. Come on, man. Can't we have Jesus and that? I count all things to be loss 
in view of the surpassing value of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and count them rubbish, trash, basura, so that I may gain Christ and may be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own, derived from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ. What he is saying here in verse 9, that I may be found in him, not having a righteousness derived from the power he gives humans to be human. Hello? But I prayed earlier, don't forget, you can be born and live this entire life and never intentionally rely upon the Holy Spirit for anything and have a good life. Now don't look at me like sideways. Well, you can look at me sideways. There, I said you can, by the gift of God, as a human being, live without intentional reliance upon the Holy Spirit and have a good life. That is how good God is. I just need that to settle in. There are people you know right now who are living a good life without intentionally ever relying upon God. That does not mean that they're not dependent on Him. I need you to know this very clearly. God is doing a lot of things for you that you are not intentionally depending upon Him for. When was the last time you thought, breathe in? Anybody? Not many of us have intentionally thought left foot, right foot. Am I right? And that's such a small example, but I am telling you, there are so many things God is just gifting you. Just like, here you go. Every day, this thing called the sun shows up. Hello? It's this small little stuff that God is just doing, and if you simply live your life and never even thank him for that sun that rises or that air that's coming in your lungs, you'll still wake up the next day. That's a gift from God. Yeah, the heart, yeah, who's telling your heart to beat, right? What Paul is saying here, he says, I no longer want to live like that. When I met this Jesus on this road to Damascus, I decided that I was not going to live like that anymore. I was not going to derive my power, my reputation, my righteousness from that which I had worked so hard for. I'm going to derive my identity from this person I've encountered. Hello? I, this is really important. When you encounter Jesus, you will deride, which means you source yourself from that encounter for the rest of your life. Last year, or maybe it was two years ago now, I talked about faith. How many people remember when I talked about faith? And I talked about how faith is actually the ongoing theme of your life. It's the, it's the most um, impacting experience you've ever had, or it's the ongoing dialogue inside of you. How many people remember? I just need to know, how many of you remember that teaching? Okay, this is really important. Paul had a faith while he was on the road to Damascus, and Jesus interrupts that faith. And he interrupts it with himself. He doesn't say what you're doing is wrong. He says who you're persecuting is wrong, who you're against is wrong. You are kicking against your creator. 
That's actually what the words are. You're kicking against the goads. Remember that? The goads are how you direct something. And Paul says, you are kicking against that. I am for you. Join me, is what he's telling Paul. When you encounter Jesus, like for real, and I, like this might sound judgmental, and I'm sorry if it does, but I just, this is the way I'm feeling it in the Holy Spirit right now. I think there's a lot of Christianity that's not sourced in encounter with Jesus. It's encountered with stories of others who've encountered Jesus. We sing other people's songs who've encountered Jesus. We have teachers and preachers who are preaching other people's messages because they don't have constant ongoing encounter with Jesus. You would not believe how many preachers go online to find sermons to preach. Hello? It's happening right now in a lot of places. There are people making decisions about their lives based on common sense instead of encounter with Jesus. And the end of the road is, yeah, it's good, it's okay. You're gonna have a decent life, it'll be all right. But if you want something that actually connects, if you want a life that connects to how he originally created you, you have to consider it all loss. Does it mean you will lose everything? Probably not, but you have to consider it loss. This is so important. It's an attitude of heart to decide that nothing compares to who I'm encountering. Like even as I'm preaching this message and you're looking at me, there's a little bit of a disconnect. Yeah, it's hard. I'll tell you why it's hard, because not enough of us are having face-to-face -face encounter. It is hard because when you have to decide to lose everything but you don't have something greater to gain, then what's the point of losing it? Hello? Until you are face to face with the treasure, the light, the, the one that overshadows everything. It doesn't matter how much money, how much reputation, how much whatever, this, do you see? Kind of like that. When your life literally cries out, do you see that everything else can be considered lost? Because it's just like, it's literally rubbish. You don't make a decision that things are rubbish. You find something of such greater value that you look at everything else and you're like, whatever. And then stuff starts getting added. You guys remember Matthew chapter 6, right? I don't think I'm alone in this thing. He says, if you seek first what? The kingdom and his righteousness. And what happens? All these things will be added. And you know what? You'll never be distracted by the added. Ever. The beauty of being arrested by Jesus is that anything added will never distract. Ever. But when we look at this verse here in Philippians chapter three and we see that Paul says, consider it all rubbish, we almost look at it like a teaching. Oh, I need to look at all of my belongings and all of my riches and all of my whatever I've ever built and created. I must consider it all rubbish in order to, that is the exact opposite of that verse. It's not a good teaching. This is an encounter. 
And that's why it's so hard to stand up here with a microphone and try to describe it, because it has to be an encounter. It's not a preaching. It's not a teaching. It's not a message that you can take home and digest and figure out. You have to see him. And when you see him, the mess, you become a message. You become it. Did you want to say something, Denver? It blows me away sometimes the way something seems so simple, but you thought about it backwards forever. I always thought this was so difficult, like to consider things lost, but it's because it's so great, you don't even, it, it's easy. It, it's something you want to do. I, that, it's like a revelation, right? Yeah, this is not something that you have to try to do. Paul did not have to try to consider his his studying and all of his years of experience and the, the place that he got to in the religious, like you guys have no idea in the Jewish faith to be who he was in the synagogue, in the faith, that was like president of the United States type status. You guys have to realize that, right? There was a king of the Jews, Herod, that was nothing compared to being a Pharisee, being a priest, that was it. And when he encountered Jesus, None of that mattered anymore. So you name that high place in your life. You name that thing that you've worked so hard to get, and now you're standing on it, and you feel good about it, and then you encounter Jesus, and you look at it, and it's just like, take it away. It just does not matter to me anymore. It just doesn't matter because I see. I got two hands. I think I have a little bit of a disconnect. So, like, in Paul's case, he was going along his merry, persecuting way, and the Lord just showed up, right? That was nothing that he prayed for, did, strove for. So I guess because I'm a striver, like I'm, I want to try really hard for what you're talking about, I'm confused. Am I just waiting for the Lord to show up for me that, like in a way where I'm that overwhelmed that I consider it all rubbish? Like for, for people who aren't there yet, for people who maybe haven't experienced him in that way, are, are, are you saying... Just wait for that to happen, or pray for hunger, or I, I'm, I'm just having. Go on. Um, talk about um, the encounter. So this morning, I came here, and I'm thinking, it's, it was like I'm going to a party, and I'm taking a gift, you know, to the party person. This is this morning, what's going on in my head. And I come to the party, I bring the present, and then you are the one who gets the present. That's exactly how I felt this morning. Like I'm bringing something to God, but then he's so overwhelming that there's no words that can explain what was happening to me this morning. And this gentleman, he's, he's, I don't know you, but he was so gentle. He's like, are you okay? I'm like, yes, I'm okay. It's just like, it was so much. What's your name anyway? <laughs> anyway, so I felt, so in this Vonderoo, is that a word? Vonderoo? No. John, uh, that. I felt like, like I'm here and I hear God saying, I need, I hear a voice saying, write me a love song. 
I'm like, what? That's what I'm hearing. Everybody's singing. I have my, my, my thingies, my yellow thingies, because I, I want to hear my voice. So that's why I put this on, you know, when I sing. So I hear this voice saying, write me a love song. And that broke me so hard because I have nothing to say to him. Have you ever been in love with somebody? So in love that when you see them or, or when you hear their name, your heart goes like, wow. That's how his name should be to us. And that's what was happening to me this morning. And I was hearing the music, but I was just having such, such an overwhelming encounter with God. And, and I apologize and I ask forgiveness for whatever I have done this week. <laughs> and, but it was so overwhelming. But you know what? I had nothing other than I came here with a gift. And then I was given one. So I don't know if that helps anybody. So let's just take a minute here. Because I think Amanda asked a question a lot of us have on the inside of us. And Adelie started to answer it. So let's just sit quietly with our eyes closed just for a moment. And I'm not trying to be funky or weird. I really desire for people to encounter God for themselves. Jesus, I would ask that you would open the eyes of our heart. Would you remind us of the moments when we saw you, heard your voice? Times in worship in the past, times in our own private prayer time with you, times with another person where they looked us in the eye or we just li literally saw you in them. Bring that to remembrance right here, right now. That moment when, like Mike said earlier, when we were broken and hurting and there was nothing else for us to rely on and you were there. Those are not past moments. When we have an encounter with you, they are still right now because they transcend time. Maybe we were a kid. I think there are two ways to have an encounter with Jesus. The first
first one is he decides. And I think the other one is we do. I think we can decide to see him. And I think he can decide to show himself. And they're both equally valid. I think in prayer, time spent with the Lord, our eyes open and we see him. Maybe it's in a scripture. Maybe it's in literal like we see him like a vision or we hear his voice in our heart. I've had encounters with the Lord that were both completely orchestrated or somebody else decided, Mark, I want you to see. Has anybody ever had that happen for you? Where someone was just so desiring for you to experience the Lord for yourself that they created an environment and prayed with you, held you or touched you or prayed for you that that would happen. And you saw him, you heard him, you experienced him. I think it can happen. And I think if this causes like a question like Amanda just asked on the inside of you, I think you can just simply say, Lord, I want to see. I want to see. I want to have this experience with you so that I don't have to constantly be making all of these choices of is this good or not? Because when I see you, I will know. I'll just know. I want that for every one of you. And, you know, a little bit, this should confound you. This should create some level of disconnect because what it does is it creates like this, like, moment of decision for us where we have to decide, am I going to continue with the affections of my life? Because, look, I don't know how else to do this. Sometimes the things I want to say sound really judgmental in my own heart, so I'm not even sure if I should say them. But at the same time, I feel like we have put so many almosts in front of us to replace real encounter. And so almosts for me are things that are like really like good things, but they're not quite him. I'm just gonna leave it at that. Look for the almosts in your life. Look for the almost Jesus. Look for the good that's not him. I'm being general on purpose because I don't wanna be overly judgmental. I'll give you one. I can't help it. I got to give you one. So, and again, can you guys just take all your judgmental masks off because you're about to judge me, okay? I have a feeling you might judge me. Like, I think what they did with the Chosen series is powerful. How many people have seen the Chosen series? Okay, powerful. Really is powerful. But in my mind, it's an almost. Because I've seen him. And I, like, I weep, because I watched one season of it, and I was just like, I want to feel what everybody else is telling me they feel. And when I watched it, I'm just like, I'm let down because I've seen him. I've heard the Lord. I've seen his eyes. I, I'm sorry, but I have. And when I see him, that is an almost. And I think we settle for almosts. And we get frustrated that we can't decide that all of this stuff that we know needs to be rubbish can't be. Because almost won't convince that it's that it's rubbish. How many people understand what I just said? You got me? When you encounter Jesus as he is for who he is for you, nothing else matters anymore. 
yet. And here's the thing I've noticed. Nothing else matters, but it still gets added. And that's the thing that's, that's like really confounding to me is that it doesn't really matter to me how successful I am in this world. Yet, as I constantly keep him as the focus, it continues to be added. Like, it's a beautiful, like, it's not even icing on the cake. What do you put on top of icing? Like, I don't even know. What do you put on top? Sprinkles! There you go. Like, it's sprinkles. That is how incredible he is. I know, sorry. Sorry. So I brought this board up here for a reason. And I'm not trying to be, but what Paul said is the truth. This is the ultimate goal. That's it. That is the ultimate goal of every human being, of the human race as a whole, of you as an individual, any church that calls itself a body of believers, that's the goal. At the this is the end of all things. It's called knowing Christ. Sorry, Jason, I wrote it up there. Just two words, knowing Christ. And knowing Christ doesn't mean I like understand, like I have a knowledge of. That word knowing actually means to experience and to encounter. Now here's the thing, an encounter with Jesus is not like a one-time thing and then you live off of that thing forever. I think life is an ongoing, increasing encounter with Jesus. Were you going to say something like that, Ben? I think Paul gives some context in Philippians almost to what you're saying. He says, not that I have already obtained all this. Paul, like I think we put Paul on a pedestal a little bit. Like he's a great guy, but like he's not the pedestal guy. Like he's, he just says, I, not that I have attained all this or have already arrived at my goal, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ took hold of me. So you want to learn to know Christ? Like the more and more that you understand that he's taken hold of you and the more and more you can get rid of things that don't allow him to take hold of you, the more and more you will know Christ. So, so it like, it, I don't know... I don't know if there's ever an arrived, like even Paul says, I saw your hands up, like I don't know if there's an arrived thing, and I think that whole like arrived word gets us tripped up because we're waiting for this ultimate goal. And honestly, if you've experienced the fullness of God, like in your life already, is that a big enough God? Right? Like it, it, that doesn't even make sense to me when I talk about how the, the bigness of God is, how, much, how big he is. Amanda, I, I've, I've been right there with you. I appreciate your openness and honesty, and I too find myself striving a lot. And I think when I, I think of an encounter, I think of these big Ukraine moments that, um, that Mark has spoken about in the past. Where I feel like I'm starting to reframe encounters as a striver is just the daily moments of peace and just sitting in that peace to say, how can you use me today? And what's that going to be like? And so then what you lose, this rubbish, I think it's important to define the rubbish. What you lose is the stress and expectations that you're placing on yourself in, in your striving. And as you lose that, it's like such freedom to just then be. And then I don't have to strive anymore. Jesus, you're just going to do it for me. 
And that's where I find such ultimate peace and ultimate joy. And even this morning when we were th- when um, Joby was like powerfully singing about joy, just joy. It, I was saying to myself, Jen, just choose joy this week. And when you choose joy and when you choose peace, the stress goes away and the expectations go away. And can you imagine Paul striving on that road to Damascus of the expectation of you have to persecute, you have to do this. And then all of a sudden, no, you don't. Peace and joy that he never experienced before. And I think that's the rubbish that we're talking about. When all of a, you know, when I read those things, you know, oh, I shouldn't want for anything, and I should just lose everything for Jesus. I should just lose it all. And I don't think that's the case. It's just lose the stress and lose the stuff that you put upon yourself. And when you do, peace and joy, and just go. Um, I'm here. So exactly what. Jen was saying is something that's been so strong during this time in my head. It's like we, I feel like we currently live in a time where the voice of the world is so, so loud that it's hard to slow down and just like be, as Jen said. Um, <clears throat> and I was like trying to think and figure out like in the I feel like now I cannot like drive without watching a video. I cannot work without listening to a podcast or like always like consuming something, right? And we were like having this situation uh, this week. We learned and I were talking about this thing, and we were like kind of like concerned about it and worried about it. And I was trying to figure like I'm very like trying to pull practical examples how to stop like worrying or like doing this thing and how can I have like a constant reminder of it and I was like just look at my son he was like the clearest picture of like how he's always like not worried about anything and not it's just like he's just being there and the peaceful and the beauty of the simplicity of how he sees and enjoys life without needing so much and I feel like Bible speaks a lot about trying to be like kids and children and stuff like that. And it's just been very like powerful how I see those encounters not as something super ethereal and magical and unique, but it's like, it's like all day long there's a bunch of hints and a bunch of little things that is him. You just have to like slow down, be quiet, you know, like how he went to the mountain and just get a part of all the noise. So, yeah, I don't know if that makes sense. It really does. And I think, like, the podcasts and the things that we fill our the air of our life with, whatever it is, someone's got to have the, even music on. Like, I'll even say, sometimes if you just have to have praise and worship music on all the time, as good as that is, every once in a while, turn that off and just pause. Here, I found this to be true, too. Sometimes when I turn everything off and it's real quiet and it's just me and all the things that come up to the surface to distract you, anybody else, all the things you got to think about, the Lord taught me something so redeeming and beautiful about that. He said, hey, 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 I get it. Just do this. Have that thought about whatever you're, whatever's distracting, have it with me. Instead of saying that's distracting me from presence, 
with the Lord, have that thought with me. And when we can work on that thought together, you won't have literally the stress that's attached to that thing anymore. I used to call it a distraction from actually seeing and praying and talking with the Lord. He said, just talk about it with me. See yourself talking about it with me. Like, your imagination is powerful, and it was given to you by the Lord. Use it. Anything that you think's a distraction or like the thing that I called an almost. Like, I have some really good podcasts. I listen even to the Bible when I'm driving and all that, and that is really powerful and good, and I have encounters with the Lord while I'm listening to the Bible, but sometimes that's even an almost for me. Because he wants to have a talk with me about something. And listening to Proverbs is a real good way to distract from him having a real conversation with me. Mark, turn it off. I need to talk to you about something. I don't talk about that. Anybody? Like, I really don't want to. And if I keep filling it with my almost, I won't have to have that discussion with you. We need to talk about this. I don't want to talk about this. Anybody? I just want to make sure I'm in this room waving at me. Yeah? Let's think about a discussion right now that you need to have with the Lord because that is your encounter. It's not distracting you from encounter. It's the door. The painful thing, the thing that's been bugging you, the thing that is in your way, the, the mountain that you're struggling with that you think you just need to climb over and get on the other side of, it is your encounter with the Lord. Like It doesn't have to be a distraction. That can actually be Oh, there you are. You just took a step right into the midst of that absolute disastrous mess, and there he is. And you've been trying to get around that thing. Okay. To me, that's the difference between doing it in my strength and like just man, like, because I do it too, like just get through it, overcome it. And like, okay, well, if I surrender to this thing, now I'm going to have to do it with the Lord because this, I know I'm weak here. It's why I'm avoiding it. Right. Mark, to your comment about um, knowing Christ and it not being in, in your head, I mean, I go back to the, the biblical use of he knew her. Like, that's kind of like the intimacy, you, you know, knowing Christ intimately at, at that type of a level. Yeah, so a man just brought up the verse, you've done all these powerful things in my name. Like, honestly, I think if, if there's anything that keeps me awake, it's all of these incredible things that I'm currently putting my heart, mind, effort into, and at the end of it, Jesus says, I don't even know what you're doing. That really kind of, that keeps me awake a little bit, and it should keep all of us awake a little bit, because some of us work really hard. Waving at nobody? Hello? Okay, thank you, Frederick. I'm waving at Frederick. We work, <laughs> I mean, I do. We work really hard, and we spend a lot of effort, and a lot of time, and a lot of money, and even we've invested in all of this stuff, and it's very possible that if all of that does not lead into this, Jesus will say, not only what are you doing, but who are you? I don't know this person you're creating. And that's why, like, I've been working into this because I want to work on goals for us as individuals and as a family because I think all of this leads into that goal, okay? And what we can do is if this is the light that we're looking at, 
if Jesus is the actual person that our face is toward, even if it's in a mirror darkly, 1 Corinthians talks about this. Like sometimes it's just like I can barely see him. I think he's over there, but I, I'm pretty sure someone else was pointing that he's over there, so I'm turning that direction. Even if you just do that and orient like a compass your life to do north. Come on. For some of us, that's about all I got, Mark. I don't see a light. I don't hear a voice, but someone told me it's this way. That's enough. And then you orient each parts of these area of your life in that direction. For those of you that can't see that from here, this is the spiritual part of your life. This is the family part of your life. This is the work, business, financial part of your life. Yes, that can bring you into knowing the Lord. If we can't get that practical with our lives, as well as spiritual, that your money and what you do every day for a vocation can actually bring you into a greater knowledge of the Lord. If we can do that, then everything starts to make sense. There's not this separate thing going on in your life. It all is leading into a knowledge of the Lord. Some of us are just working because we got bills to pay. That is not the intention of God. You can actually work toward knowing Jesus through what you do for a job. Hello? You can. Your physical health can lead you to or take you away from the Lord. It can. As well as, and I think this is probably the biggest one that keeps us from or leads us to, is our mental and emotional health. And so, but I want to talk about all this because what, G, what Ben brought up here is really important. I know I don't have much time left. But if, if you kind of look at this, not as steps so much, as, but as this is what Paul was talking about in the rest of Philippians chapter 3. He says it's an upward call. I'm just going to repeat some of those things Ben said because he was reading my notes, but that's okay. So in verse 12, it says what he already said, that, that I have already obtained it. Like you have to make the decision that the current reality and encounter with Jesus is your beginning point. It's not the end. Like where you currently are in the Lord, where you currently are in your life is starting point. Because for some of us, we have settled in and we think we're good. Anybody? Anybody ever been tempted with that thought? I'm pretty good here. Like, I got pretty much everything under control. It's not terrible. It's pretty good. I could probably kind of skate by for the rest of my... No, decide that right now is point A. I don't care how old you are. I'm 53 years old. I'm just beginning. I've just decided it. I'm just beginning. I was telling my kids this the other day. They're all in their 20s or almost 20s. And I'm telling them that my 50s have been the best decade so far. Like, I am having so much fun. So any of you that aren't 50 yet, get ready. It is awesome. Like, seriously, it gets better. Can any 60 or 70 or 80-year-olds say that? It does. Life actually gets better. There is not this, and I've heard people talk about this. You kind of get to this point, and you're like mid-30s, where it's like, oh, yeah, this is it, and then the rest of it's like this. That's bullcrap. I am having the best time of my life right now. Every area of my life is this. It is, and it can be. Do I have moments where it does this? Yeah, they're called rest. Seriously, like you need some plateaus or even a little bit of down just so you can breathe. But I'm, I'm loving life. This is point A right now. I have no idea what I was saying when I was saying that. 
I was reading. You're right. I was. Thank you, Ben. Not that I've already obtained it. So you just make that decision. You haven't obtained it yet. Or that you've already become perfect. But I press on so that I may lay hold of that for which I was laid hold of by Christ Jesus. I think this is what you were laid hold of. I think Jesus arrested you because he didn't want you to live one more day in a false identity, in, in striving that does not lead to a bigger, better kingdom where the heavens and the earth are one. Because at the end of the day, that's what this is all about. I pray. If you want to pray, pray like this. Let your kingdom come. Let your will be done where? On earth as it is in heaven. That happens when each one of us decide to do this. If this, I'm not trying to say Mark's message is the ultimate message. This is pretty daggone close. This is the most important message being preached in the earth right now. Amen, hallelujah. I've decided that for you. If you can think like this, if you can live each day of your life thinking that this area of my life can be healthier, more abundant, more ginormous than it currently is, and you bring yourself with, don't forget, the light is Jesus. My, my heart, my finances, my mental and emotional, even my belly is turned toward the Lord. Come on. Take your fat and put it in front of Jesus and ask him to burn it like a sweet incense in the nostrils of the Lord. Just, oh, there it is. Have it all. Yeah, Jason, there you go. Yeah, you are the fatted calf of Jesus right now. Amen. Like your business, your work, throw it up in front of him. Say, what do you think of this? And let him talk to you about it. Let him tell you what he sees for it and how if you do it this way, it'll be like an upward call in Christ Jesus. Let me finish this just so I can... says, forgetting what lies behind. That's why today is first step. Don't think today is 13th step. What I love about the way Paul is talking about us here, he says, forget about what's behind. Both success and failure. Sometimes your past success is your biggest nemesis to future success because you lay back. Decide today, that was good, but here's step one. You're not on step 12 or on step 24. You're on step one because your eyes are forward. Wisdom is forward. Okay. I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call in Christ Jesus. Here's the upward call in Christ Jesus. It's taking us into our original identity. It's shedding everything that's not who we are so that there is nothing blocking our ability to know him and be fulfilled in him. Now look at this. Let us, therefore, as many as are perfect, have this attitude. So, this is a really important part here, and I wanted to get to this, and then we'll end here. Have this attitude, and if anything, you have a different attitude, God will reveal it also to you. However, let us keep living by that same standard to which we have attained. Brethren, join in following my example and observe those who walk according to the pattern you have in us. One of the things that I think, and we talked about this before, there's a, there's a little bit of an independent spirit on the inside of all of you. Don't act like you don't have it. 
because you do. You're stubborn and independent, and you think you know best. You don't. I had to decide that. That's why humility has become an incredible friend to me. I have so much to learn. And there are so many people in my life that have nuggets of truth that I need so that I can keep my eyes forward and keep moving forward. So look for good examples. Wisdom does that all the time. Wisdom is like, remember we talked about this, wisdom is shouting out at different places. And you know how it shouts out? By a life being lived well. In your life, you're looking at someone else and you're like, I don't know what's going on over there, but they got there together. And I want to kind of keep my eye on them. I'm going to call them. I'm going to ask them a couple questions. I'm not going to be a pain in their butt, but I'm going to find out what's going on, and then I'm going to let people be an example to you. Like, I think especially in America, this is a struggle because we are independent. I mean, July 4th, we celebrate independence. Hallelujah. We are free from British rule, right? British. Anyway, okay. Okay. Um, you were just sharing earlier that there are people living beautiful lives, not necessarily dependent on the Spirit. I don't want to ask for wisdom from those folks. How do I, because all I know from the lives of others is what I see. I don't necessarily know where they're drawing that life from. So what are some ways, I mean, obviously I can ask the Lord, but are there other things I can observe? So remember how we said in the beginning that not everyone's living intentionally sourced by the Holy Spirit, but it doesn't mean their lives aren't. You guys remember that? I think there are people that have no idea that God is sourcing them with wisdom and insight, but if you access the grace inside of them, whether or not they're sourcing themselves intentionally in Jesus or not, I think we can still access the grace of Jesus in a person. Ask. Like, I'm being serious. Like, you can see the gift of God in people that would say, this is not the gift of God, this is just who I am. I've worked really hard for this. Okay, you can say that, but I see the gift of God in you, and I'm going to access that. If you decide it's the grace of God, you'll access it, and God will be like, that, that was me. They think it's them. And this is the key. I remember thinking this way. I'm a pretty cool dude without Jesus until I realized, oh, no, I am a cool dude because of him. Like, I'm realizing now, I'm really great because of him. By the way, that's okay to say. You guys know that, right? You can say you're pretty great because you are. And it's because of him. Does someone else want to say something? I felt like there was another. Yeah. We're going to have Barry share. I'm thinking about the, the balance in all of this. Um and this encounter with Jesus. God never interferes in our lives. But there are moments and times he intervenes. This encounter Paul had was initiated by Jesus. So the encounter was Jesus encountering Paul, not Paul encountering Jesus. I, there are so many times in our lives when we just need to recognize that an intervention from God 
just happened. And that he decided to encounter us. Because that's what happened here with Paul on the road to Damascus. He had no intention of encountering Jesus. No intention of encountering. Jesus encountered him. And I think there are times in our lives when Jesus tries to encounter us and we sometimes don't pay attention because that is a great encounter whenever he encounters us. So many times there are different things that bring you to that point where Jesus intervenes with you or, yeah, intervenes is the word, right? So because it can be suffering, it can be loneliness, it can be any pain. That's why I love pain because it makes you want to go to Jesus. Um, hunger makes you want to go to Jesus. When, when affects our surroundings, when there's no health, when there's no money, when there's no children. So when you are in that point, you know, Jesus, God, Holy Spirit is trying to get your attention. So I think for all of us may be different. Maybe, you know, It's kind of twisted a little bit, so just bear with me. Like, back to what you had said, you can you can see Jesus in people, but my thing is, is if you see Jesus in people, and those people are saying, "That's not Jesus. That's not Jesus. I don't believe in Jesus." Da 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 da. If you see Jesus in those people, and they don't see it. Then what? So Jesus calls us the light of the world, right? First Jesus says, I am the light of the world. And then soon after that, he goes, you're the light of the world. I think identifying the characteristics of God in other people is an incredible way for them to be introduced to him. It might be something so familiar to them that they've never attributed it to anything other than themselves. But when you see it and you say, that looks like my father. Do you have any idea where that gift or that quality or wherever it came from? You're becoming the light of the world. I actually think our ability to access the Lord and other people when they're completely unaware of it opens the eyes of their heart to who the Lord is. Don't ever be... Yeah. Has anybody ever said no, no, no from their physical mouth, but inside they're going, holy crap, something's going on? Anybody? Don't be deceived by somebody else's reaction. What's going on inside of them is often very different than how they're reacting to you. You trust that you can see him. And when you recognize him and say, that looks like him, you just sowed a seed. And that seed will wreak havoc on the inside of them. Okay, give me Jason, Jason, just hold that thought. Don't forget it like Becky does. 
Um, every moment has a purpose to ascend higher in him. It's true. All right, Jason, I'm, I'm coming at you. Uh, about a week ago, I was listening to that, listening to Joyce Meyer and Better Together, and they were talking about spiritual fathers and stuff. And I think of Kendall as my spiritual father. He got me through my mom's passing, and he's, I've gotten him through some stuff too. And you guys are my, you, I see Jesus in every one of you guys. Did someone want to say something back there? Yeah, that was okay. I just want to say, I think we complicate things way too much. And, and it, what I mean by that is, as long as we stay grounded in Jesus, and we know who we are in him, we can glean wisdom from everyone. Just what Mark just said. Again, I, I desire these big moments with Jesus. But when I've conceded to the fact that someone walking through my, my door in my counseling office that's completely broken and can speak from that place of brokenness, I see Jesus in them and I gain wisdom from them in their brokenness. So they might not be professing, Jesus, 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 but in their brokenness, they're giving me this wisdom that, that they've just experienced in their life. But when I can remain open to that, then there's power in just me just listening to that and giving them a space to share. So I'm showing them Jesus, and it's just this back and forth beauty in that relationship. So I think if, again, we stay grounded and we stay open to just relationship and being, that's what Jesus meant for all of us in that original identity. Amen. The wise among us will put all those little pieces together, like those puzzle pieces. That piece I got from Steph, that piece I got from Denver, that piece I got from Jeremy, I'm going to put that all together, and it makes this incredibly beautiful picture of who Jesus is for you. And it pulls you forward into the best life you could ever have. And that's my hope for you. My hope is that you personally have the best life God had ever intended for you to have. Because if you live that life, the kingdom comes. Heaven comes near. Like, I, I need you guys to see this. Like, heaven is relying upon your life being incredible. Because an incredible life is a door of heaven on earth. This is not just for your own benefit. Like, the king has invested his full self in you so that the fullness of heaven and earth can be one again. That's the goal. This is not some motivational, personal development thing. This is the whole of creation is relying upon you. Like, I hate to say that. It's not like a big, heavy weight, but it's really important. The kingdom is requiring this of you. Amen? Mark, stop talking. Okay, all right. Father, thank you that you will continue to open our hearts to what you've been saying here today. I ask, Father, that the seeds that were sown today would grow. Give us eyes to see, ears to hear, and the wisdom we need to develop a life in your light. I ask, Lord God, that the kingdom come through each and every one of us.
Like for real, that's not just a spiritual preacher prayer. I actually want the kingdom of your father to come through your life. You will be so happy. You will be so fulfilled. And the earth around you and the people around you will be better and blessed. Like it is actually true. This is this is not spiritual talk. This is like real life. I ask for this in Jesus' name. Amen. I love you guys. Thanks for putting up with me. World Harvest Outreach is located in Chambersburg, Pennsylvania, but we have family around the world. To connect with us, visit us at whocenterpa.com.